Axiom, the tasty truth. Hey there, ladies and germs. This is Elder Bryson with I Like Your Style. Uh, we are here with Michael from Telco, and uh, we're here to talk about uh, that. So tell us a little bit about your, your band, how you got started, and uh, what your story is. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Michael Gilbride, um, and my, project, uh, my music project is Telco. Um, it started it started way back um, in my teenage years. I started writing music. Um, and sort of taught myself how to record and produce my own songs. And so over the course of a couple of years, I produced this collection of a couple of demos. It was just two songs. Um, and I sat on those demos for a little while and I, and I liked the songs. And eventually I sent them to a friend of mine who was uh, a really great guitar player and had worked in a recording studio. So he had a bit more like technical understanding than I did. Um, and we got together to record uh, to take the demo and to record an official version of my first song, which is called Say Hello. Um, and so that came around a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago now. Um, and then I started working on the other songs as well that ultimately evolved into the EP that I just put out in September of 2020, which is called My Name Is Not Kaiser. And it was a four song EP. And that was kind of our, or my foray into the music world. So Rock on. So tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, my name is not Kaiser. What is that? Where does that come from? Yes, yeah, so it was actually um, in the album artwork. There's a picture of me as a little kid holding up a piece of paper. And my name is not Kaiser was actually what was written on the piece of paper. So it actually it seemed fitting to just use that as the title. It's, it's not on the album artwork itself, but um, my dog's my first dog's name was Kaiser. And I guess me and my brother thought it would be funny to put a piece of paper in front of him that said, my name is Kaiser. And so then we took a picture of me with the same piece of paper that said, my name is not Kaiser. And I, that's just, it's a weird story, but uh, that's sort of where the album artwork came from. And then the title just kind of stuck. Hey, I'm down with it. Uh, it sounded indie. It sounded indie as well. So I just <laughs> figured we might as well roll with it. Hey, if it works, it works. Exactly. Uh, so what's thing, one thing that you wish you'd known when you, uh, started your music career? Mm, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I think it's just to, to not, to not be so hard on yourself. I mean, I remember every day when I would go to my piano and try and write music, I would basically almost every day get to the point where I wanted to kind of flip my piano and be like, it's not working. It's never going to happen. Like I'm not good enough or whatever. Um, and I think a lot of people think that music is something where you either have talent or you don't. And realistically, it's actually something that is continually evolving. So if I go back and I look at my videos of old songs I had when I was 18 or 19, they're absolutely terrible. But, <laughs> 
you know, as time goes on, you, you evolve your skill set and you develop as a vocalist and, and as a musician and as a songwriter. And, um, as long as you keep going back and working on that music, it's going to continue to get better. So I wish I could go back and kind of tell myself to chill out and just enjoy the process a little more. Yeah, that's that's huge. Now, um, enjoying the process is everything. Because if you don't, if you don't, then what's the point? Yeah, and that's how music started out for me. Originally, was and, and still to this day is is I, I do it because it's therapeutic for me. Um, so, I mean, if you lose whatever it was in music that was making you feel good in the first place, then you're sort of end up writing songs that don't really mean anything. So, and trying to enjoy the process is a huge part of how I write my music. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of feeling good, what does the phrase sex, drugs, and rock and roll mean to you? Oh, uh, it's probably the three words that are the opposite of who I am. <laughs> if, uh, any of my friends and family would tell you, um, <laughs> I think I'm probably, my music is definitely probably more introspective and, uh, you know, it deals with me, complaining about my life and stuff like that. It's not really fast paced, uh, rock and roll, but, um, you know, that era was, uh, uh, an era that I kind of idolized growing up was all my parents' bands and all the great rock and roll artists. So it's in there in the music somewhere, but it's definitely not the forefront of my music. Right on, on a scale of one to 10, how weird are you? Ooh, well, it depends on who you ask, I guess. To new people, I'm probably on hover around a, like a three or a four. To to my friends and family, I'm probably more towards a seven, and then to my fiance, I'm probably more towards a twelve or somewhere around there. <laughs> what, what what would she say? The weirdest thing that you uh, that you do is oh my gosh, uh, that's that's a good question, and I don't want to get myself um, canceled before I even, uh, before I even start my music career, but, uh, uh, probably I do a lot of accents. I, I, I'm always testing out, doing out new accents around her. Um, and that can get, can, can get kind of, uh, interesting sometimes. <laughs> I love it. Like, are, are there characters behind the accents or is it just sometimes it depends on the, like I said, it depends on the day, depends on uh, what kind of mood I'm in. Right on. Uh, so what would you say so far your biggest failure has been in music and what'd you learn from it? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. I think, well, I guess, I don't know if this is necessarily a failure, but um, I've been dealing with like a vocal injury for the last couple of years, um, which is these ulcers that I've had on my vocal cords that for whatever rhyme or reason have not gone away. Um, I've, and it's not really a failure per se, but I think it's just sort of a difficulty and an obstacle that you have to overcome and trying to make music and continue to record music and, um, you know, recording this whole EP with that injury and, uh, trying to figure out ways to, to live with it and deal with it and heal myself has been like a big struggle that I've had to learn, um, learn from and sort of figure out how to be persistent in the face of adversity. So I don't know if you could consider that failure. I guess, you know, maybe I did it to myself, but um, it's definitely an obstacle for me. That's, that's been tough to kind of overcome. Uh, and I mean, have you been able to like continue, you know, singing without further injuring it? Have you figured that out or? Yeah. So I think we're kind of getting to the bottom of it now, finally, that it's 
more acid reflux caused instead of my actual vocal technique. Cause I was seeing speech therapists and, um, singing teachers and singing coaches. And, um, I, I think my singing technique had gotten to a place where I was like, it's, it shouldn't be in pain anymore. Um, and so it looks to be something a bit more systemic, which is acid reflux, which I'm trying to get under control now. But I think that's one of the quiet killers of a lot of musicians voices, um, is that acid reflux that's just persistent. So we'll see how the next couple months go, but I've been able to, the entirety of the EP was recorded with this, with this problem and stuff. And I, it hasn't hindered my ability to, um, record anything, but if we were out playing live shows or something like that, that could be a different story. Yeah. The, that, you know, the longer a live show gets, the more, you know, more strain you're putting on that. Exactly. Uh, so, <laughs> So what advice would you give to someone aspiring to be a musician? Mm. Well, I would say don't, don't underestimate. Don't, I could just stop right there. Uh, (laughs) I would say don't underestimate the importance of marketing yourself as a musician and the importance of business skills um, when it comes to being a musician. So I, I came from a little bit, more of an interesting background, which was, I came from finance. I quit my job working as a trader on wall street, um, back in April, uh, where I did three years of trading. Um, and so coming into this, just trying to start my music career, I viewed it very much like a small business. And I think that that's something that's very beneficial because I think as artists, we tend to think, if we make great music and we put it out there, it's going to blow up because people are going to love it as much as I love the song, but it's unfortunately, it's not the case. And you need to find ways, creative ways and unique ways to get your music in front of people. Um, and so there's a whole business side to being a musician that I think a lot of people underestimate and making great music is, is a massive part of it, but it's not, it's not the only part. So I would definitely say to up and coming artists to try and start, sort of viewing yourself as a small business and figuring out what's the best way you're going to grow that business. That's super true. And that's, that's really cool that you left wall street to pursue music career. Cause like I, I was in, I was in sales and marketing for like a decade before I, I started pursuing music seriously. So I can totally relate to that. Uh, Yeah. It's a different world, but I think a lot of those skills, like, more than people think translate over to the music world. And I think it's actually been a big advantage for me and um, my manager for us to, to have this business sense and to kind of apply it to our, our music. So. Oh, a hundred percent. Like there's so many talented artists that I come across and just have no idea. They just post like album cover after album cover after album cover on Instagram. I'm just like, your music's way better than you're letting it be because nobody cares about your album cover. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. That's a hundred percent. Right. So I think you have to view it like a small business and small businesses take a lot of work, a lot of money, a lot of effort to keep growing. And uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's been helpful for me to view it in that way. A hundred percent. So who are the three people who have been the most influential to you? Um, hmm. I would say Jack Antonoff is probably one of my huge influences. He's the, the singer for bleachers. He's a producer for a lot of the big pop artists out there. He was the guitarist and fun. Um, but his 
his project bleachers for me, I think was a lot of his style blood into my own music in terms of using sort of weird samples in my music to create sort of different environments and the way he sort of constructs a chorus and things like that. Um, so he's definitely very prevalent in my music. Um, I'd say Justin Vernon from Bony Bear uh, was huge for me too. Um, I think his album 22 a million, um, was one of the most influential albums for me in terms of like trying to create a soundscape and coming up with unique ways to sort of preserve your sound and what people are familiar with, but also sort of developing into new territory. And then I think I would say the third person is probably Wesley Schultz from the Lumineers. Uh, his vocal style, when I first started singing, he was somebody that I sort of idolized and whenever I used to try and practice to become a better singer, I would always play Lumineers music um, and try and cover it. So I think a lot of his style sort of bled into the way I, I am as a vocalist now. So. Oh yeah. Uh, so big question, where can our listeners connect with you online? What's what's your hub? Yeah, I think we're most focused on Instagram. Um, we just, we do a lot of like Q and A's, which we actually, we did one yesterday. Um, we were trying to answer all of our questions, our, our fans' questions. Um, we post a lot of artwork, both from the single artwork as well as some like additional artwork. Um, my fiance actually does all the artwork for our project, and she's extremely talented. So it's it's been really cool. And then um, we are also extremely responsive to all of our fans and try and um, you know reach out to them and and have contests and respond to our DMS and things like that. So that's definitely the best place to find us. Um, and then as we move forward and we're going to try and create some more videos and sort of behind the scenes, deconstructing the songs from the EP and stuff like that. We have a music video coming out. It's a fully animated music video coming out for say hello, um, beginning of November. So, uh, we'll be on YouTube as well. So I would say those, those will probably end up being our two main, um, sort of go-to's. Sweet. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and throw on uh, your song, Say Hello, and uh, let the people listen, and we'll be right back. Great. Thank you. 
Thank you for this first live applause of 2020. <laughs> right? That's, that's uh, the first one. I'm probably first and last I'm going to get this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I uh, No, did I do anything this year? I, I did, like, right before, um, right, like, the week before I built, like, a busking setup, right? Like, yeah. with, like, a battery-powered PA. And oh, then, wow. like, I played one, like, <laughs> one set in, like, downtown San Diego before, like, and it rained after three songs. Um, that, nice. That's, yeah. That, that's, that, sums up, that sums up the year. That's, that's, that's 2020. Exactly. It's right fitting. Yeah. Nailed it. So, first off, like, you said your fiancé does all the artwork. Like, I mm-hmm. love the artwork that you guys have for everything. Oh, it's you. absolutely beautiful. So, you lucked out on that. Um, but yeah, she's, that, that's why I uh, proposed to her. I was like, I need to, I need to lock her down. She's so talented. I was like, I need to uh, make sure she doesn't leave me. Right. Yeah. No, you, you, you sure do. Like I, I'm stuck with Fiverr, right? Like, yeah, right, right. Exactly. Uh, Just get a uh, fiance. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, so, uh, tell me about the process for recording that EP. Like where, where'd you go? What'd you do? How was it? Yeah, um, well, Say Hello was a bit different from the rest of the EP. So, um, <laughs> like I said at the time, I just had a two-song demo. Um, it was Say Hello and another song called Shades of Red. And I took Say Hello. I knew it was the first song that I wanted to put out. Um, but I knew that I needed to transform it from its demo version into you know, a, a, an official version. So um, I sent it to a buddy of mine who I hadn't spoke to pretty much since we graduated high school. Um, but he's a phenomenal guitarist. I knew he worked in music and I reached out to him on LinkedIn cause it was like the only social media I had at the time. Cause I was like completely off the grid. And, uh, I was like, Hey, cute. You, can you check out this demo and would you be interested in working on it? So we kind of reconnected and he came on board to help me record the song. And we did everything virtually pre this was all pre COVID. Um, and we did everything virtually. So we were kind of ahead of our time, but, um, basically we would just sort of email files back and forth. He would send me, um, you know, the guitar parts and things like that. Then I would go ahead and sort of do some of like the EQ and, um, the mixing and, um, some of the other stuff that was, um, that I could handle, obviously the vocals and things like that. And we sort of, built this song over the course of a couple months of revisions through email and phone calls and things like that. But it was done completely virtually. And the first time we actually got 
together in person was when the song was completely finished. So Say Hello was a bit different. And then the other three songs I did completely on my own from my parents' basement back home in Pennsylvania. I quit my job, like I said to you earlier, back in April, moved back to Pennsylvania where I was from and set up um, a sort of makeshift studio in my basement and recorded the next three songs from the confines of my basement while the quarantine was going down. It was actually a, a good time to have, to have to sit down and record an EP because there was nothing else to do. But so those three songs were a bit different. Those were done completely by myself, produced by myself. And then, uh, but say hello was, was a bit different in that sense. Oh yeah. I, with say hello, there's like that. Um, I, I want to say it's almost like a phone call or a washed out female vocal or something like that keeps on yeah. coming in and out. Like what, where did, how'd you do that? What is that? I love it. Well, so no, thank you. I, uh, that, that's like the Jack Antonoff influence was, uh, all those samples and stuff that are in the background kind of floating around. Um, but basically I took old voicemails that I had had and the song was, the song's supposed to sort of be, um, a reflection on a past relationship and sort of this switching of a mindset from viewing the relationship in the past to sort of how do you move on? How do you move forward from that? So I kind of wanted to be this female presence that kind of loomed over the whole song, kind of haunted the whole song. And so I found these old voicemails from um, undisclosed people, which will remain anonymous. Uh, and I sort of chopped them up and sort of wanted to add them in a way that almost added to it a bit rhythmically. Um, so like the whoop in the beginning of the song and stuff like that. Um, and sort of just put it across this whole song. So it kind of haunts the whole song in that sense. So, um, that was at least the goal. Oh yeah. So, uh, what was the exact moment when you decided it was time to tell, uh, tell your boss at wall street to take this job and shove it and become a musician? Yeah. Um, well, I wish I had a more romantic answer, but I think it, it boils down to money, which was, um, at what point was I financially capable of taking a real organized crack at music? And that sort of goes back to what we were saying before is, you know, it's a romantic idea to sort of quit your job and be the starving artist and have no money and, and things like that. But it actually, it works a bit better if you do a couple years in a job, save up the money. So you have the resources to make a proper run at, music um so after three years i had sort of socked away enough money that i could take time off to make the ep so i had the equipment i needed to make the ep um and so when i felt like i was at that point it's it's obviously still terrifying because you're sort of cutting off all of your future income and you have no idea where your next paycheck is going to come from but i knew that if i hadn't done it at that time that i was never going to do it so I called him up one day and thankfully we were all working remotely because I think I would have been terrified to do it in person, but just called him up and explained the situation. And everybody was unbelievably understanding, which was really interesting for me. Um, and yeah, I mean, did two more weeks and then was off to the races and started working on the music. Yeah, no, that's a familiar, familiar story. I, I got a cake from my, from my last boss that said, uh, uh, congratulations you're fired 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's great. It's, it's amazing. I think people really, people can't hate on you for chasing the things that you truly want. And I mean, because I think 90% of the people who are working most of their jobs wish that they could go and do something differently. So when somebody goes and does it, it I don't think people really ever like give you any hate for that, you know? Uh, I've seen it. Some people do. But yeah. Some, yeah, those <laughs> so, aren't the people you need to be concerned with. At the as end I was of the day. saying that, I was like, yeah, this is not true at all. <laughs> I, I finished the sentence anyway, but I was like, yeah, that's not true. That's not true. That's not yeah. a, uh, but there are. Yeah. There, I've, I found that the majority of people that I in my life have been very supportive or, you know, at least not haters, right? Like Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, but we've been lucky. I, I, I know plenty of people who have, you know, like they've been disowned by their families or, you know. <laughs> like, it's scary. I mean, when I told my parents that I was quitting in a pandemic and I was coming back home, <laughs> they were like, that, they were like, what on earth is happening right now? <laughs> Especially like lockdown was like, I quit. I told them I was quitting in March. I quit in April. So, it was really at the height of when like we didn't know if we were going to be able to like get running water the next day. And I was like, yep, I'm cutting off my job. So everybody was like nervous, but the support I got was incredible. So exactly. Like I've got a side job, you know, like do it like uh, for extra money doing a, I do like uh, audio engineering for the stage engineer and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So obviously now that concerts aren't happening, that's all gone too. So that put right. me in a little bit of a panic as well. Yeah, a little bit of a bind. <laughs> uh, so what's your favorite curse word? Favorite curse word? Hmm. I have to say, anybody who knows me knows I don't really curse. It was I had this like hang up in high school where I like stopped cursing all the time, and then it just sort of stuck with me. So I don't really have a curse word. Everybody knows I say frick because I kind of try and censor myself a little bit. So I, I guess I'll roll with frick. I love it. That is that is that is so wholesome. That is the most wholesome <laughs> answer we've gotten yet. So Thank that's you. that's rad. Congratulations. Like I said, the opposite of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I I and I appreciate the fuck out of it. Like I'm 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 not, but I love people that's who great. are. Different. <laughs> that the, the diversity is the spice of life. It really is. It's 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 so important. Um, and then the opposite of that, what you you've got your little studio. You're obviously playing all the instruments here. Like, yeah. uh, what's your favorite piece of gear of all of it? Um, well, I, so I recorded the majority of the EP, the, all the guitar work on say hello was done by my friend, Eric, um, who helped came and co-produced and played all the guitar. So he's phenomenal in that song. Everything else on the rest of the EP was done for my Yamaha, uh, just keyboard. Um, so that's gotta be my favorite considering that the whole EP was crafted off of that. Um, but I sort of like, I was never one of the people who has to have every single plug in, every single piece of gear, every, you know, compressor and, and every sort of, um, odd and end, because I think sometimes when you limit yourself with what you have, you tend to get a bit more creative. So trying to get sounds that sounded real or, you know, authentic from maybe something that's a bit more synthesized was sort of a challenge that I kind of liked working on. Um, so the majority of the EP was done from that Yamaha keyboard, which I still use to this day, which I love. That's, that's friggin' awesome. Um, 
Yeah, that's uh, and it's it's funny because like it's uh, those have always been to the drummers that I respect, right? The not the ones who have like the forty piece kits. I mean, I respect you know Neil Peart and all yeah, that, yeah. but like the the dudes who have like a three piece kit and can just blow you away on a three piece kit. That's what really like gets me. Um, yeah, I think especially nowadays, like we we've, we've moved into this realm where you know, like you can have. 300 tracks on a pro tool session like anybody can have 300 tracks on a pro tool session so more and more and more is not necessarily better anymore and so i think you know like my philosophy for my music was always like each track needs to justify its own existence it's like because uh so a lot of times i'll get to the end of the song and i'm like why is there a pan flute track like in here somewhere like this needs to go um and i think in 2020 it's like it's so easy to just add layer and layer and layer and layer that I think the real challenge is trying to strip stuff out of your music. So working with like limited amount of gear and things like that has actually, I think helped me get closer to the sound that I want. It's not ideal in a lot of circumstances, but um, I think it's helped me to maybe put something out. that sounds maybe a bit more authentic. And that's, that's awesome. That's, I I wish there was more of that because you're absolutely right. Like, there, I, I, I watch like a lot of mixing videos, right? And I see all these big time producers and there's like a billion different guitar tracks and I'm just right. like, nobody's playing that live. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, you're sort of, you're making a very difficult bar to set like, you know, for your live shows and things like that. But also on top of that, it's like, you know, you put headphones in now and you listen to some music and it just sort of almost sounds like just a wall of noise. And I think, that's just because technology allows us to do that. But I think as we move forward, you're going to see some of that sort of start to get stripped back out and people are going to get down um, a bit more to some more basic roots, which is why I'm a big fan of artists like Bon Iver, the Lumineers, because I think they've done such a good job of doing that. Oh yeah. You're, you're spot on. Um, and uh, speaking of favorite artists, let's, so you've made it, you're on tour, you're in your private chat. For whatever reason, you've got your entire record collection in your private chat and yeah. the plane's going down. You only have time to grab three records to play on your little coconut powered radio on the island. What are you okay. grabbing? I think I would grab 22 Million by Boney Bear. I would take Strange Desire by Bleachers. And I think I would take Disintegration by The Cure, which I think would make you happy. I, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm stoked about that. Anytime, yeah. anytime I get to talk about Robert Smith, I, I oh you know, my gosh, I get he's stoked. my he's my king, right? Oh yeah, no, I love that man. He's, he's just such a badass in general, and every song that he's written is about the same woman. And well, I could go on for yeah, hours about like, but just yeah, fuck like the the, uh, the people at work they used to get so irritated because every day I would come in and play the cure every single day, pretty much from the time I started trading till the day I till the time I left and people were like, please like anything, anything different. There was like three albums, basically those three albums that I had on constant rotation. It was like, they got so sick of it. Oh yeah. But, no, I remember like, you know, cause like I, I'm a music Nazi at any party that I have and I have to control <laughs> the music. Um, and, uh, I just remember the last party I had before COVID my roommates just like, I played, I think two or three songs by the cure. And my room was like, could you listen to anything else but The Cure? I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> I just play, I'm like, I'll put on pictures of you. And I'm like, don't, 
I know it's like seven minutes long. Just chill out. Just listen to it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> every, 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 every one of those seven minutes is totally worthwhile and has something seven. unique and interesting to bliss. it. It is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. So what do you like to write about lyrically? Like what, what are your songs mostly about? Um, yeah, that's funny. We, someone asked a similar question yesterday on like the Q and a on, on Instagram. And I basically just said like anything that depresses me, which is a depressing answer. But, um, you know, I got into music sort of for therapeutic reasons. I, you know, grew up dealing with like a lot of anxiety and had really bad, like OCD, um, you know, throughout high school and things like that. And so music was sort of where I went to sort of process things, you know, in, in a healthier way. Um, and so when I'm happy, I don't really feel the need to write music about it, which is just sort of just a weird thing. So it's only when like I'm struggling to process something or, or something's sort of bugging me or I feel like I can't process something on my own. That's sort of when I feel like I'm drawn to like get this into a song or something like that. So, um, you know, I think there's more upbeat moments on the EP, but certainly like lyrically, it's never usually like, all bright and sunny. Um, so I, I tend to gravitate more towards the sad songs, even when I listen to music too. I mean, like if you listen to disintegration and stuff like that, it's like, it's not the most uplifting stuff all the time, but no, and but musically sometimes it is, but exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, that's like another thing. So if you listen to bleachers who are the other artists, the other band that I love, um, it's always extremely depressing lyrics with extremely poppy music, um, which is, always something that I, I love in the music that I listen to. And, um, going forward with this project, I'm going to try and embrace a bit more. We, we've already been in the studio working on some new stuff and, um, it's going to have a bit more of that vibe where it's, yeah, the lyrics are going to be a bit more introspective and maybe a little more sad, but the surrounding music that it's wrapped in is going to be a bit more upbeat and, and pretty. I, I heard a term that from the other day. I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, ah, crap. Um, a lot of people do it. And sad I, bangers. I, I, that's what it was. Oh, yeah, sad perfect. bangers. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's it. That's that's gonna be the goal of the next song that we're putting out. So I, I can't wait. I can't wait for it. So uh, sad banger. Um, it's 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 time to get canceled here. Uh, what's uh, <laughs> what's your hot take? What's your unpopular opinion? What's the one thing that you know is true that everyone else thinks is absolutely Ooh. wrong? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Hmm. Well, I guess this is what I've talked about with my, my friends in law is that um, in the U.S., obviously, it's extreme. Everything is political now anymore. And people always talk about how are you going to use your platform for X, Y, and Z, um, which is, I think is great. But I think at some point, we need to get to a point where we can start having honest discussions with people. Um, and yeah, it's great to go out and to use your platform and, and promote you know, whatever cause it is you want to promote. But I think it's even more important to be able to sit down with people you disagree with and have a conversation with them. So, I mean, like a lot of my good friends, I disagree with on a lot of fundamental issues, but they always know that I'm open to having a conversation with them. And then at the end of the conversation, you shake hands and walk away. So I think my focus, like in what I stand for as an artist right now is open and honest discussion. So before I promote any cause and things like that, I think we need to fix how we communicate about things before we start 
having those discussions. Oh, that's huge. And I mean, there are certain things that, you know, there, there are no honest, you know, like if someone's like, eh, well, I'm, you know, how about you join the KKK? It's probably not going to have an honest or productive discussion with right. that person. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I think, <laughs> I think discourse in general has to be fixed before we fix all the massive issues that we're facing is like, if people can't even have a conversation about how to fix the issues, then we're never going to fix the issues. You know? Oh, absolutely. You know, I can't tell the amount of time someone comes on and up to me, like in all caps, just, you know, like the all caps is a killer. Oh yeah. All, all caps is like, well, you obviously need to read a book. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, uh, anytime someone comes at me with the all caps, it's sort of like, that's about when I check out of a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all caps and, and miss apostrophe yours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the sign of a good conversation. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what's a common misconception about being a musician? Like, what would you say? Like when you tell somebody that you're, you're, you're in a band, like, what do you think that they think about you? That's probably, wrong uh i think that people tend to think that you write songs with this cohesive vision of like when i sit down to write a song i know exactly what's going to be um what the finished product is going to look like and as i'm sure you understand is like a lot of the stuff that happens when you're creating a song is chance and recognizing when you did something by accident that's actually really good so like when I was chopping up like those voicemail samples and things like that, just the way that they laid in pro tools, the first time I put them in there um, sort of led me to like using those samples at certain parts of the song. And, and when you do something by accident that you really, really like, and you're able to recognize that you just did something great, that sort of is what makes a good musician. It's not necessarily sitting down with this, well thought out idea of okay this is how this song is going to end up and this is exactly the sound i want it's just sort of recognizing when you just bottled something really good exactly like i i can't tell you how many files saved on my computer i have that are just like a a loop of bass guitar and like a four on the floor kick drum just waiting to become something right yeah exactly i'm the same way with my like voice notes it's like it's i remember one time like I woke up at 4 a.m. or something. I leaned over. I turned on my voice notes. I mumbled like the most incoherent melody. And then it ended up turning into a song because it's like, <laughs> as soon as you recognize that, okay, maybe I have something here. If you can just bottle it up in that moment, recognize you have it. That's sort of what, to me, I think makes a good songwriter. It's not, it's not sitting down with like a well thought out vision. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I couldn't sleep last night. It's like six thirty in the morning. All of a sudden, some dumb line pops into my head about what an asshole yeah. my dad is, and like uh, <laughs> now I have a now I have a new song to finish. Well, that's <laughs> perfect. That sounds like it's going to be a good one too. Uh, yeah, it's 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 probably lyrically my best work yet. So oh, we'll, we'll see what happens with the music. But yeah, right, six a.m. Man, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's how it goes. Yep, exactly. You you have no idea, and you've got to be ready for it when it is. And you know, sometimes you got to force it too, right? Like sometimes you're not inspired, but you know that you still got to, you know, do something until you are. <laughs> yeah, that's. I sort of had the same issue, and when I was sitting down with writing the EP, was every time I would finish a song and move on to the next one 
the first couple days I'd be like, Oh, this song is trash. Like I'm scrapping this song. It's terrible. Like it's never going to be right. And then one thing would happen, whether it would be, you know, you got the right drum beat or you got the right guitar line or, or whatever it was and something clicked. And then you're like, okay, this is going to be a song. It's going to, I'm going to finish this song and it's going to be good. Um, but before you hit that moment, man, sometimes it's like you want to just throw your computer out the window because it feels like it's never going to happen, but you got to kind of just wait and sort of keep throwing your, your line in the river and hoping you get a bite. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so what are you hoping to accomplish with Telco in the years to come? Um, well, first and foremost, I want to just obviously be, be at the point where I can do this for a living, I think is goal number one. Um, you know, leaving my old job, my goal was to never obviously have to go back into the world of finance or something like that. So first and foremost, I want to get to the point where I can do this for a living viably. Um, but I think more artistically speaking, I think my goal is to just sort of make authentic music for people to understand that when they listen to a telco song, that they're hearing exactly what was in my head at the time I wrote the song. Um, and I know that sounds probably, you know, sort of artsy fartsy or, or obvious or something like that. But I think a lot of times when you have the ability to add, like I said before, like 300 tracks into the song, and you've got all this gear at your disposal and all this stuff, it gets very easy to lose your original intention with the song. And so I, I try and be very restrained in the way that I make my music so that people know that when they listen to my song, they're getting exactly what I was feeling at the time I wrote it. So I think artistically that's my goal, but. And, and you're, you're spot on and you're nailing it with, uh, with what I've heard so far. Um, oh, thank you. But on, on top of that, I, I don't think that that's sexually as common as, as you think it like, I hear so many bands and pop artists and rappers who, who aren't trying to portray like what's in their head. They're, there it's more about machismo and badassery like it's all it's more about like hey i'm a musician look at me look what i'm yeah, doing and I'm, i mean my favorite my favorite curse word was frick so i don't think my badassery is gonna be uh <laughs> is gonna it's what's gonna get me to the big leagues but also at the same time i i always think that there's definitely merit to like trend chasing especially nowadays with how quickly you can release a song like it's it's not like the old days where you had labels dominating everything like you can trend chase but for me personally i think by the time i tried to chase a trend or incorporate a sound that's popular now i always feel like i would miss out on it so i'm trying to sort of look a couple years down the road and say what's popular now but what's going to be popular in five years that people are going to want to keep coming back to my music and i think sort of this move towards restraint and authenticity is going to be the defining sort of feature of the next couple of years. And you see that already with like long form podcasts and thing like things like that. People are moving to more towards nuanced conversations and, and sort of nuanced feelings and things like that. So I'm kind of trying to maybe, maybe get ahead of that wave. Oh yeah. Um, I, I can, I can get behind that for sure. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Right. I know it's, 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 you know, we, we have these big visions, but the only way to make them happen is to work for them, right? Yeah, I mean, if you told me to project out what 2020 was going to be like, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I could be way, way off the mark, but we'll see. 
Yeah. I don't, I don't think you're that far off the mark. If you keep on working at like you're working, I think you're going to do something worth, worthwhile. Um, Thank you. So what's the best show you've ever played? Uh, it's a good question. I've never played a show. Wow. I, uh, yeah. So Tel- Telco was a, a child of the pandemic. It was the, the first, we put out say hello on August 14th of 2020. Um, and like I said, this was, a, this is a solo project. I mean, we have other musicians that come in and play in the project and stuff like that, but, um, for now it's just me. So I have yet to do my first live show. So that's going to be sort of a big, um, big sort of bucket list thing for me once all of this craziness kind of clears up. Oh yeah, for sure. That's, that, that's huge. Do you have any, like, do you know what do you have? You said you have other musicians who are, who have come in and done some stuff. Are they going to be like your backing band? Are you going to start off with backing tracks? Like, do you have a plan for oh, that? Uh, it's sort of, I got to see how the reaction to the EP is first. So I can maybe convince them to, to, uh, leave what they're doing, yeah. you know, and come play, come play for me instead. Um, but, Definitely. I mean, you know, the last couple of months of trying, trying to sort of build out my network of um, musicians and people that I know so that when that moment comes, I'm going to be able to sort of put a band around me that shares my philosophy and sort of, you know, wants to get out there and do the same things that I want to do. But, um, you know, until, you know, I can't even, can't even go to a bar right now. So until I, uh, till that, till that comes to an end, I got to kind of hold off for now. Yeah, obviously. Um, what uh, what would it take to get you to quit making music? Uh, bankruptcy, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, there's. It's so difficult to make money in music, especially in 2020. I mean, if you can't go out and tour, so your income streams are just so constrained right now. Um, but for me, when I quit my job and when I, when I left that job in April, it wasn't like a one foot in and one foot out type deal. Like I was fully committed that I was not going back. So, I mean, it would have to be catastrophic for me to have to go back to some sort of office job or something like that. But I tend to try and I I believe in the, uh, the law of attraction and sort of believe that, uh, I'm going to make it and that this is going to be a viable path. And so that's, that's what I tell myself. Uh, right on. So if you could step into my shoes, uh, what question would you ask yourself that I didn't ask you? Hmm. What question would I ask myself? Hmm. That is a good question. That itself is a good question. <laughs> um, well, I guess I would ask what say hello is primarily about like where that phrase came from. Um, and this was sort of an interesting story was, I don't know what your process is for writing music, but for me, typically I'll write the music first and then the melody, and then I'll fit the lyrics into the melody that I've already written. Um, and so while I'm making that melody, I'll use lyrical placeholders, just things that sort of fit the amount of syllables that I need. Um, and so the word say hello was actually just one of those placeholders that I had just while I was creating a melody for the song. And as the rest of the song sort of got fleshed out, this phrase of say hello seemed to be more and more perfect for what I was trying to say with the song. Um, 
And so I've always thought that was interesting that sometimes writing lyrics just off the cuff, like at the like tip of consciousness type um, stream of consciousness type thing, you end up being more honest than when you try and sit down and write something deliberately. So. Oh yeah. Um, sweet. Well, that's, uh, you can, you can hear the, the plane flying overhead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like it's landing. There. <laughs> yeah. I li- I live right next to an airport. So <laughs> <laughs> ideal podcasting environment. Ideal. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and our recording vocals too. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. I can imagine. Oh my gosh. What a nightmare. <laughs> oh yeah. No, luckily it did. Uh, there've been a couple, there've been a couple where like, I've just been like, my voice was gone and I just tried to edit it out. Ugh. <laughs> oh gosh, that's a nightmare. Right on. Oh, it's 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 not ideal, but you know what? It's, it's a, like we said, challenges can be fun working within yeah, exactly. the constraints that we work have to work in. Airplane sounds exactly. Um, so, anyway, do you have any final words for our listeners? Um, just to you know, uh, check out our EP. It's called "My Name Is Not Kaiser." Uh, the lead single is "Say Hello." Um, that we're already out in the studio working on some new stuff. We've got a fully animated music video coming out um, later this fall. Um, a lot of interesting stuff like coming up in the near future. Um, and hopefully uh, you'll be hearing, uh, hearing about me more often and uh, we can continue to grow and, and get more fans and uh, put out more great music. Hey, we're, we're excited. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course.